0: Lord, we do ask that You would bless our time in Your Word this morning. Um, Lord, as uh, we look out and we, we can tell that there's a number of people on vacation and, and such this morning, and, and we think of uh, the adults and kids that are involved with the children's program, uh, we do not want to hesitate to ask You for the work of Your Holy Spirit to uh, sink Your Word deep into our hearts, Father, to open our eyes, and just to allow us to to gain from it what we can, Lord, you know
1: how you have used this uh, passage this week to just really uh, make a wreck of me um, and, and um, bring a lot of conviction and and um, insight into uh,
0: how. Um, how frail and, and how uh, shallow our love can be for others. And, and Lord, I just would pray that you would uh, do this this morning for us as a congregation. Spur us
1: on, Lord, I pray, toward love and good deeds. Um, and uh, Lord, I just uh, pray that you would do this through your word. And I pray you sing in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Um, when we uh, had trouble with the previous soundboard, I just think of uh, one occasion where, where um, a friend of mine in the area who listens to the messages weekly, he texted me and um, he asked, he said, what does it mean when the pastor prays at the beginning of the sermon that if anything is said that's not of God to just block it out? And then there's huge spots of blank <laughs> silence on the CD. <laughs> what does that mean? I said, trust me, it means that the soundboard needs to be replaced. So um, we won't have that this morning, hopefully. But we do ask, obviously. We trust that, that um, I try to speak from God's truth. I, I put a lot of effort and prayer into trying to make sure that any words that I speak with any sort of authority are spoken from the authority of His words, but we do trust that He can also help us to be good Bereans, if you will, uh, to, to understand that truth for ourselves as well, and to, to, I hope that you will be studying and discerning it
1: for yourself also. Well we have a lot of verses to cover this morning, so I'm gonna hurry up here. But anyways. Um not in control. <laughs> um so you've seen this picture as we've moved through
0: our values as a church and you won't see it again for a while. i me make sure good. I'm I am controlling here. All right. And um the idea here again that as we move into, as we move forward for the purpose that God has given us to exist for as a church, that as we move into that over the horizon, the vision of what God has for us as a body is, if we move in this direction, where do we expect to be three to five years from now? And and we're developing and and teasing out what this idea of being on gospel mission in our daily lives and and working through the men of this body in accomplishing that first and foremost. Um, That is what we believe is what God has for us three to five years over that horizon. And how we believe that we should be getting there is the way that God has wired us to do it. And that's what we value as a congregation, what's important to us, what maybe makes us different than another congregation, maybe. Um, and those are that we seek to follow Christ under the authority of the Scripture and applying His truth to our daily life. And we want to seek to follow Christ walking in prayerful dependence on Him with the ministry being done by the body of harvest. And finally, that we seek to follow Christ in the context of relationship. In the context of relationship. So what is unique about Harvest in that we value following Christ in the context of relationship? You might be aware of this, maybe not. You know, there are fellowships uh, that exist where maybe coming to church and sitting in a class or sitting in a seminar or something like that and sitting down and kind of taking in and then getting up and going home, that that, that's a normal thing. Um, But I... I believe that we at Harvest would feel really strange about that. Uh, there are there are congregations, and I'm not saying they're they're wrong in being this way, but there are congregations that you know to stand up um, for 30 seconds and to greet you know someone next to you you know might say from the front before you sit down, take a moment, greet someone next to you, shake hands. That I I know that. Even then, the staff will get complaints.
1: What do I do for those 30 seconds? I mean, I shake the hand here, shake the hand here, and then... You know, and, and, and that in those, there are congregations where
0: that's foreign to spend, the, you know, that time just kind of shaking hands and things. That would feel extremely foreign to us, to just take that amount of time to fellowship. Um, It doesn't matter, it doesn't make us better than other churches, but we like to take our time and fellowship with each other. I love seeing people milling about. I love seeing people hanging out after the service and talking. Being a church without relationships with each other would seem foreign to us. But the truth is though, um, I have spoken to a lot of you that would say that you don't know. Maybe, maybe this side of the room doesn't know a lot of people on this side of the room. You know that I've spoken with a number of you that have been here for quite a while, and maybe somebody that started joining over the last two or three years—it's like I don't know any of those people. So we have um, we have room to grow in there. My hope is that this morning they'll be able to fine-tune the relationship that we value fine-tune that value that we hold to be important as a body and um, and this passage of scripture from Romans 12 does not let us off the hook I'll tell you that it starts out and says let love be genuine Romans 12 verses 9 through 21 let love be genuine abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor Give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So our main idea this morning is that as worship of God in response to his mercy, and you might recall if you were here last week that that our, our main idea here is couched in the same phrases that last week was in that, as our passage of Scripture this morning is, finds its foundation in verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12, so does uh, as it was last week. And, and as we look back at those foundational verses, we see that as worship of God and in response to His mercy, it's w- that we should aim to love with genuine love in all relationships. And we find this main idea based mainly in verse 9 where we're told, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. I hope that you can follow this morning as we kind of jump between as, as introduction here as we jump between verse 9 here and those foundational verses of verses 1 and 2. So let's look back at those foundational verses that we saw. He says, I appeal to you, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, we talked about, and you've seen this slide before if you've been at Harvest for any amount of time here, that we're encouraged to treat all of life as an opportunity to worship God by serving Him with our lives. And this idea flows uh, probably no better from anywhere else but from verse 1 of Romans 12, this idea of present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. It flows well. It, it really is couched from this verse more than anything, and that's why we keep going back to it. We're encouraged to treat all of life as an opportunity to present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, to worship Him with our lives. We live out of our heart's desire to serve Him when we do this. When we live out of our heart's desire to serve Him, we treat our relationships, as we'll be looking at this morning, we treat our relationships as sacrifices of worship and I don't mean by sacrifices that well we okay sacrifice you should be giving
1: more you should be giving more what I mean is offering it to the Lord as worship of him rather than what so often we see when we live
0: out of a heart's desire to serve ourselves we, we use something like our relationship as something to to benefit ourselves with, or or we take what belongs to God and should be offered to Him as a worship, like maybe our words or our time, and we offer it to that relationship in order to get what we need from that person. This is in contrast with the opportunity that we have to live out of our desire to serve God with our lives. We live out of our hearts, when we live out of our hearts desire to serve ourselves, we treat relationships as idle. Everything we do is for the purpose of getting something back. And we're frustrated when our expectations go unmet. So as worshiping of God in response to His mercies, we should aim to love with a genuine love in all relationships. We're told here, let love be genuine. And, th- and this verse here, of verse 9, it really is the crux verse that, that all of the rest of the verses flow out of. We're told right off the bat to have a love that's genuine. We're, it, this means literally love without hypocrisy. This term hypocrisy, or, or um, to not be genuine, was used of actors in the theater in the time that this was written. It's because the actor was expected to play a part and to do things that they wouldn't normally do or they were expected to say words that they didn't personally believe and to do things that that wouldn't be becoming of them as an actor but it, but it fits the character that they're playing we're being told love without wearing a mask in order to be able to do it just as an actor of that day would put on a mask to fit a certain role It's saying, love without a mask. Don't require a mask in order to appear like you're loving. Relationships are a major area of our life in which we're tempted to serve ourselves through idolatry. How often do we think, maybe if I just say the right thing in the right way, my friend will do what I need them to do. Or maybe if we're at at a place... I'm sorry, maybe we're at a place where we don't even think of that. We just do it by nature. How often do we think, maybe if I give in this time, this person will stop asking you. Or Maybe our fear of rejection or our love of recognition has us automatically responding this way to people. The challenge in
1: friendships is not as much about what we should be doing in them, not just always giving in. The truth is that even the most giving friend can be an enabler who's not doing what's best for the other person. It's more about for whom we're doing what we do. To serve God or to serve ourselves. I believe it's through living as a sacrifice
0: of worship of God that we're able to give love genuinely. The whole gambit of relationships was covered in our passage this morning, even more so than our friendships, is what about our relationships with what we would consider enemies, those who wish to harm us even. While the scenarios of genuine love will certainly humble us this morning to repentance, I hope, the thought of having genuine love for our enemies will bring us to realize that we don't have the power in ourselves. We must live through the power of God if we're to love in the way that He calls us to. You might recall that verse 1 or verse 2 here um, further explains and expands what verse 1 was saying about presenting ourselves to God. We learned that presenting ourselves to God is about no longer allowing the world to press us into its mold. It says, do not be conformed to this world. We talked about how the ceramic tile is just material that's cheap. that's just pressed into a mold. And that's like what it is like to be conformed to this world way of doing things. Think The context we want to think of this morning is in, in terms of relationships, just going through relationships the way the world tells us to. But we're told to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We learn to present ourselves to God as a sacrifice to God is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We've learned that that's like being like the, the marble pile that's something unique that's gone through transformation, that's gone through metamorphosis, And it's made itself into something unique and valuable, or it's been made into. As worship of God in response to his mercies, we should aim to love with a genuine love in all relationships. We're told in verse 9, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. This resisting conformity by being transformed from verse 2 is what I have in mind when we read the second half of verse 9. There's such an urgency in these statements. I believe that the relationships are such a proving ground for serving God or for serving ourselves. When we're told to abhor what is evil, the NIV translates abhor as hate what is evil. One person paraphrases it this way, Look with loathing and horror on that which is wicked. Stick like glue to that which is good. We must have an abhorrence for conformity to the world's standard of love or anything that pushes us
1: to it. You know, I can't help but just think of how the world portrays love in movies. And we're told, and we need to gauge this for ourselves, we're
0: told in this passage to abhor whatever would try to conform us to the world's definition of love. We're told to stick like glue to what encourages a biblical genuine love. We'll see all these statements are restated at the end in the hardest context of relationships with what we would consider enemies. So relationships with others believers is the first area in which we're shown how far we have to grow in our love. So we're looking at this in loving other believers and we see this in verses 9-13. through 13. It says, "Love. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saint and seek to show hospitality. Now you might remember last week that we talked about how each follower of Christ
1: has different spiritual gifts. Well, in our passage this morning, no follower of Christ is off the hook. These verses address all followers of Christ. They're speaking
0: to all of us as those who've been called to love God with all of ourselves and to love others as much as we love ourselves. Remember, that's what it means to grow as a disciple, to grow in our love. So we're told in the scriptures so often to love one another, but especially those that are in the household of faith, as we see in Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are in the household of faith. Our Lord told us that our love for each other is a powerful witness to the world that watches. As he, as he told us in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And also, also, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. Our standard and example of what that sincere love should look like. If Jesus is love for us, Jesus is sacrificial love for us, that's a high standard. All of verses 9 through 13 are a rapid fire of commands having to do with our relationship within the church body. So how do we know what to focus on in this message? How do we know, you know, as I'm studying, I look at it and I say, okay, in the English I just see command, 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 command. What's the main thing here and what is just building on to that, I I look at? Well, verses 10 through 13 are scenarios or opportunities in which our love should be showing to be sincere. Let me explain why I say this. In the original language of this passage, word order is very important. In these statements, the context is given first and then the action, and you'll see what I mean by that. But the types of verbs that are used here are also important. In these statements, the verbs are such that they are modifying the idea of loving sincerely. Okay, they're modifying the idea of how should we be doing this in, in, in this situation, how should we approach it. So we're left with a group of scenarios that in the original language, they're written as if Yoda is writing them from Star Wars. You guys that are familiar with Star Wars, you know, uh, uh, very clouded, the dark side makes, you know, stuff like that. In the original language these are written as if Yoda were writing them, okay? And let me explain that to you here, what I mean by that. Um, Kind of translated more literally here, you would read this, in brotherly love to one another, being devoted. And, and in other words, this is what it means to have our love be sincere for each other. Being devoted. In honor, esteeming one another. In zeal, not lagging. In the spirit, being enthusiastic. The Lord serving. In hope, rejoicing. In affliction, enduring. To prayer, being devoted. To the needs of the saints, contributing. Hospitality, pursuing. So that's what I mean. I'm kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit, taking you back into the kitchen here. Um, That's what I mean that we see that these statements here are scenarios or opportunities that we have with each other in order for our love to be sincere and genuine with each other. So let's just hop through some of these scenarios here. Um, So often we hear someone say about a family dispute, I know that I should be mad, but she's my sister.
1: That's how we should approach relationships with each other. We should be saying, I want to be mad, but he's my brother in Christ.
0: Or she's my sister in Christ. We're told, outdo one another in showing honor. Philippians 2 teaches us, consider others more important than ourselves. Here we're taught that sincere love for each other means that we would give preference to the other person over ourselves. We're told to not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Which I believe that that's talking about in the Holy Spirit. Which which the ESV differs with that. That's why they lowercase spirit here. But it says, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. The statements of verses 11 through 12 represent how we should love each other through, um, or, or enough to keep our common love vibrant in each other. There are areas in which we should be discipling each other. These verses 11 through 12 represent the intensity in which we should live out the Christian life with each other and spur one another on toward these things, being constant in prayer, being patient in tribulation, and so on. The disciplines that we carry out together and in our private lives benefit each other in our ability to love. Then it moves on to contributing to the needs of the saints, seeking to show hospitality. You know, a very real need of the saints in, in Paul's day was for a safe place to stay when they would visit a place like Rome. And so as an expectation of the body that when believers would come to their town, they would offer their homes to them. And so that's the idea of the hospitality that we see coming up over and over again. But, you know, uh, a way that we see that in our body, when new people come and visit or, or attend, they could use a place to have lunch to get to know people. That's a way that we can be showing hospitality. We should be opening our homes to each other. And he mentions contributing to the needs of the saints. I just want to share with you a quote that I read from the... I.V.P. Bible Background Commentary that kind of took me aback. It says, Jewish people believed in taking care of needs in their community. And the Christians of Paul's days no doubt agree. The modern phenomenon of well-to-do and hungry Christians in the same city would have shocked the moral sensibility of ancient Jews
1: and Christians. In parentheses, it says, though not the pagan. That quote kind of took me aback. with that. How often, let me ask you,
0: just in the context of Sunday morning, how often do we put on our mask when we walk by each other? We say, good morning. What we mean is, I know you don't look like you're having a good morning,
1: but I don't want to hear about it we say how are you this morning we're thinking please don't stop me and ask me to help you with something good to see you And we're thinking I sure hope that you've got your life straightened out by me.
0: maybe our greetings should become is there any way that I can help you with something this morning what is going on in your home that I can pray for are you feeling like you're getting to know people, or can I introduce you to someone? That's how we can better love people that we see here, only on Sundays. But the fact is that we've had a rough experience. Um, that we've had a rough experience, it's the people that we've had a rough experience with that we often have trouble loving, right? Well. Let paint a picture in your mind here. As you travel into Crawfordsville from here and you come in onto Washington Street, which is 231, coming into downtown from here, it's obvious that at some point they widened Washington Street and they cut into some people's front yard on the right-hand side, right? So whereas their yard kind of had a gentle slope to what was the road before, I'm assuming they kind of had to cut into that yard, and so what they did was they built retaining walls to kind of hold the yard up, right, right there next to the sidewalk. Well, pick you, I, any of you probably men, more likely, uh, have been irritated to see how those retaining walls—they kind of curve they hug the driveway, you know, as they go up into the driveways there, and inevitably half of those retaining walls on the corner are crumbled down, you know, broken down and stuff. Um, you probably have to, like, know what I'm picturing here, or know what I'm talking about to picture there. Um, I'm not an engineer, but I think that those walls were probably built too tight to the driveway. And so when a person tries to, to pull into their driveway, they end up nicking the corner of that wall, right? I've never seen it happen, but that's what I'm assuming. Either, either they were built too tight or they were some, built as some sort of nightly sobriety test for the person that lives in that home. But I think it's probably nearly impossible to get that right every time and not knock that stinking wall down.
1: Our love is often like those retaining walls. We can have such a tight expectation of others. And when they swing too wide, they bust our hopes and our plans, and our love for them crumbles. When we have tight expectations and crumbling love, it's because we lack grace.
0: And these scenarios are given in our passage to help us to see how often we fall short of a sincere love for each other. It's no surprise that the whole chapter begins with being urged to present ourselves to God as a sacrifice. And we're urged to do so because of the mercies of God that we've experienced. The fact is that it's remembering God's great mercies for us that will empower us to love one another. And I'm not necessarily saying giving in. Again, enabling someone doesn't help them
1: it's not necessarily the loving thing to just give in to someone it's, been a, um, it's being
0: fully impacted by God's grace that allows us to have a wide grace in our relationship with others it's in knowing our need for God's forgiveness that allows us to forgive it's remembering our spiritual destitute state that allows us to reach out to those in need It's knowing that we were in spiritual darkness that helps us to give grace
1: to those who just don't get it. How wide is your grace with other believers? How sincere is your love for others here? Um, I can tell you, I have a lot to work on. And it begins with me taking
0: that relationship and realizing, Lord, I'm living this for me. And I
1: know that because I'm frustrated with this person. Will you help me to live this as an offering for you? Will you allow me to live this relationship for you? That's what it looks like. The world around us tells us to limit ourselves to only those
0: who help us to become who we want to become. The world tells us to have an online community where we can friend or unfriend whoever we want, right? But Jesus taught us to love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. Your neighbors are those who live around you. You don't really have a choice who they're going to be, right? And I believe that's where Paul's pulling into here in verses 14 through 16, of loving our neighbors. Where he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but
1: associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. You know, while these verses are intended to be directed to those in the body of Christ
0: as well, They're more specifically aimed at our neighboring relationships. Those relationships that we can't really get away from. Even possibly those that might be persecuting us. And we don't really understand that now, but I believe we'll understand it in the future. It seems like something that is not very much a part of our world today. I understand the persecution. But as our nation loses its biblical foundation, we will face persecution more and more. Jesus told us this when he told us how the world would feel about Jesus' followers. And he said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Paul says this to Timothy in his final letter that we have from him. This letter just prior to his execution for preaching the gospel. He wrote in 2 Timothy 3, 12-13, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life, in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I don't know about you, but that feels the way America's heading. Romans 12 follows the teaching of Jesus from Luke 6:28 that says, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, the contrast between blessing and cursing means that the blessing that we want to give is our forgiveness. I won't go into that, but you know, usually when someone's cursing something, they're like wishing it to hell. Right?
1: So the contrast here is that the blessing is wishing the person into a relationship with the Lord. So the ultimate blessing that we're told to pursue
0: is our neighbor's acceptance of God's forgiveness. The contrast between blessing and cursing means that the blessing that we want to give is our forgiveness. I appreciate a neighbor that I had in seminary. When we'd all all get talking about someone and complaining about them, he would always break in at some point and say, Okay,
1: it's okay. I think we have enough grace for that. And that stuck with me. What it will come
0: down to when we're persecuted by our neighbors is whether we have enough grace for it. We don't get the grace from up here or from here. We get it from our relationship of grace with the
1: Lord. We're told rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. The following statements flow out of a
0: need to remain humble in relationships with those who, that we interact with. For most of us, this means to start. Interacting with our neighbors, I am terribly guilty of this. I went in Rapid City. I went for five, four years living in a neighborhood that I didn't know anybody around me. Um, I, I saw our neighbors saw me at Sam's one time. Said, "Hey, we're your neighbors," and I looked at and said, "I don't think you are."
1: They were. That's sad. I'm just being honest here, you know, on May 20th,
0: a one-mile-wide tornado cut a 17-mile path across Moore, Oklahoma, spending 40 devastating minutes on the ground. We all watched anxiously to find out how many children and teachers would be pulled out of two schools that were destroyed. Twenty-four people were killed. Just last week, another tornado tore through Oklahoma, killing more people. This one was the widest tornado ever recorded in the United States. And it also registered as a rare EF5. So in the last month, two tornadoes with 300 mile an hour winds have torn through towns just 40 miles apart from each other. I would be saying, that's it. We're moving. Pack it up, whatever's left. You know, that's not what I read in a recent magazine article talking about this. A nurse in the town of Moore named Tasha Springer said this. She said, in a time like this,
1: everyone comes together. And then she says this, I feel very blessed to live here. That, I I had to do a double take on that.
0: Like I said, I would be saying, I'm moving. But Tasha Springer here is saying, I feel blessed for living here. She's glad that she lives where there has been so much destruction because of the loving touch of neighbors.
1: We're called to be that loving, rejoicing, weeping touch for our neighbors. Like I said, I have to admit, I'm not being that. This is a conviction for me as well as I hope it is for you. And the idea
0: of living in harmony with others means to be of the same mind toward those around you. And it's better explained by the following statements. These statements are literally translating, not setting your mind upon lofty things, but associating yourselves with lowly things and lowly people. Stop being those who are wise in their own opinion. Stop being conceited. Um, I asked Micaiah if I was I could share this uh conversation we had around the dinner table one night and, and my daughters had recently watched the uh musical Les Miserables. <laughs> Never know how to translate that but um and, and I watched a part of it with them so I could fast forward through some parts because there's there's like a some scene with a lot of prostitutes and things like that singing songs, which I'm sure they do. Um, The fact is, the movie dealt with a lot of the seedy work of desperate and deceived people. Um, Of the three girls, Hannah was uh, the only one that said she just loved the movie. Micaiah looked at at Hannah astonished that she wasted two-plus hours of her life on this movie. She asked her sister, you really liked that movie? Even the part with the Protestants?
1: So we got a big kick out of that.
0: You know, even the Son of God didn't consider himself too good to spend time furthering God's kingdom with what people considered low life. He was known for spending time with prostitutes and tax collectors that would listen to him teach. And
1: that's an important addition that would listen. This means that instead of trying to keep up with the Joneses,
0: we should be seeking to get close to the disadvantaged Smith, or even the underprivileged Garcias or Hernandezes. Part of what makes it hard to love our neighbors is because we get woken up by their dog late at night you know the party behind my house kept going way past midnight last night we hear them argue in the backyard so much about loving our neighbors get this so much about loving our neighbors
1: is about letting someone have a bad day and continuing your relationship with them right? Can you let somebody have a bad day? I don't know about you, but it's like I can
0: register things in my mind, and it can be like, "Oh, that must be their, they must be this kind of person."
1: I've like ju- I've like made a judgment about their whole life off their bad day. Let somebody have a bad day. The same could be said for loving family members, since we
0: usually see their mistakes and sins as well. Again, being able to love others is so much about embracing the gift of God's grace for us. We don't, when we do, we can't see anyone else the way we did before. Well, this brings us quickly to what's even harder, and that's loving our enemies. In studying the term enemy, I, I learned that it could be anyone that holds enmity toward us. The, word, the world around us tells us what, what, it, what we want to be conformed to when our mind is not being renewed is hurt me once and it's shame on you. Hurt me
1: twice and it's shame on me. Right? In other words, our enemies are not supposed to have a chance to hurt us again.
0: The answer, we think, is make sure they regret harming us in the first place. But I was reminded by watching The Passion last Sunday night about how Jesus was beaten and scourged, And in the midst of this scene, the movie cuts to his Sermon on the Mount in which he taught, You've heard of that it was said, You should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The fact is that we who follow Christ with our lives We were all God's enemies at one point. Do you realize that? Romans 5.10 tells us, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. But we were saved while we were his enemy. We were reminded from Colossians 1.21 where he describes his readers, he says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he describes them. That term hostile is the same Greek term for, used for enemy in our other passages. None of us who love Christ now turned ourselves into his friends and
1: ambassadors.
0: We are, and we are called to look at any opportunity as one of representing him, even to an enemy. Again, as our country moves away from its biblical foundation, we're going to be seeing more evil committed. As enemies of God outnumber those who used to be His enemies—that
1: would be us—we're going to see more evil against us because those people are driven by His enemies. Plain and simple. So we see here when they have the upper hand i divide these verses into
0: it says repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all we're challenged here to make sure that our response to evil is one that brings honor to god in his kingdom the picture here is with a watching world and someone having evil committed against them the thought of the person who has it committed against them is on the
1: watching world giving thought to do what is honorable in their sight that it's an opportunity for a testimony to the watching world they were
0: told that the if possible, so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all men, the if possible leaves open the fact that there is often not going to be peace in our relationship with people that don't know Christ as their Savior. But as followers and ambassadors of Christ, any lack of
1: peace should be due to the other person. As far as our part is concerned, there should be peace. Our peace
0: can flow from the fact that Jesus took on himself whatever sin a person commits against us. If we believe that Jesus paid for our sins on the cross, we should recognize that He paid for their sins as well. And He purchased the peace and forgiveness that we can grant to others for the evil that comes against us. And Paul closes here with the scenario of when we have the upper hand with our enemy. where he says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, it's important to notice, couched in the middle of this encouragement here, is the knowledge and the recognition of the eternal state of him. That, that God is in control, and He will have control of eternity. And, and what we see here is not all that will be. Okay? As I was, I was reading this morning from Psalm 73, and I was encouraged that as, as the psalmist wrote, he was saying, why is it that it seems like the wicked live forever? Why is it that it seems like that the wicked get all the perks? And one of the things that he said that was an encouragement to himself, he he says, but you are always with me, and one day I will be with you. That it's it's God's eternal plan that should be our encouragement in whatever circumstances we're facing. And that's what is couched right in the middle of these statements. But if you have kids, you know a lot about the Avengers, which is the latest Marvel movie craze. Now, some of you young people might be disappointed, but as followers of Christ, we're called to make sure that we are not the, we have the op When we have the opportunity to do good to someone who's done wrong to us, we should do it. The burning coals that are spoken of here represent the feeling of guilt and shame <clears throat> that would be a conviction for a person. And the hope that's couched in that is that our testimony of grace and forgiveness and charity will bring a person to salvation. It's interesting to me that it's the moment that we have the upper hand here that we can be tempted. And that's why he closes this with, with, do not be overcome by evil. Here it is.
1: When are we most tempted to be overcome by evil? When we have the opportunity to avenge. It's when
0: we're the ones with the food that is needed by the person who would starve us if they could. It's when we have the water for the thirsty person who's been a jerk. That's when we're challenged to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. In other words, the evil is the temptation to respond in kind. And the good that overcomes the evil is giving your enemy what he needs.
1: And I would say what he needs eternally. And consider the testimony that our actions are to them. So in conclusion here, as we close, I do believe that our world is getting darker. But as it does get darker, that just means the light shines ever brighter.
0: I trust, as trust erodes, for instance, in our banking system,
1: it's the follower of Christ that will be shown to have credibility. Good credit, if you will. As employers search for competent employees that are not
0: quote unquote homophobic, it's going to be believers that they can't do anything but have to admit
1: that these people do the best work and it's because they're not doing it for me it's because they're doing it for somebody else
0: as the world hungers and thirsts for truth it may be our enemy
1: that we'll have the chance to give it to we're moving into a time when we will have to set aside our
0: disappointments and our direction and our disappointments with the direction of where our country is going. And we need to look for opportunities to shine and to share the truth in all of our relationships. Those that we're comfortable in and those that are pretty uncomfortable for us as well. In fact those are the ones that we have the opportunity for the greatest testimony. And they're also the ones that we have the opportunity to really worship God through. Because what we give to that relationship, we're, we're a little better reminded, Lord, I'm giving this to you because I'm not really getting a whole lot out of it.
1: So really, in a lot of ways, the people that are harder to love are a grace in our lives. It's what's called a severe mercy because they kind of refine
0: our love for making it about being an offering to God rather than being something that we're getting from it. But those are usually the people that we
1: shy away from, aren't they? Let's close in prayer. I'll ask the worship team, they can come on up as we prayed,
0: Father, as I mentioned, um, these verses really take us when we think that we are so good at loving people and um, when we feel like we uh, maybe have represented you and and they point to us that horizon of how far we are from it. But Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for um, the people in our lives that maybe don't give back. Thank you for the people that um, or maybe hard to love, Lord, help us to use these relationships to teach us how to offer our um, our effort and our energy to you as an offering of worship and even refine us a little bit more, Father that in those relationships that we enjoy, that we can treat that as a relationship of worship to you too, all Father. Lord, I just pray that you would bring these things to our mind. We're all going to run across these situations um, this week. Pray, Lord, that you'd bring these things to our mind um, as an opportunity to to grow in you, as an opportunity to bring it to you and, and ask you for your power and your help, um, and to live it out for you. Father, thank you for walking with us. Thank you for working on us. Thank you for
1: um, not giving up on us. Um, and and just pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.